Welcome to episode 184 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Lovin. Today we caught up with Meredith Shambombadil Schomburg. She's a designer at Airbnb. We've known her for almost exactly a year now, and we finally got her in the studio. It was an awesome interview. We got to chat a lot about illustration and style and what makes meaningful work, and it was pretty fantastic. Before we get into it, a couple things. Uh, we're still making progress on Spectrum. If you want to follow along, join our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack and uh, hit the Spectrum channel. You can see what we're working on. Uh, hopefully... When are we going to start a podcast about that? <laughs> we should call it Starting Up. No, stop. Stop. Spectrum is going to be a platform for communities. It's still early in the works, but you can follow along. That's in again in the spectrum channel of our slack team uh let us know what you think so far and we'll be sharing updates as we get progress it's weird that we're telling people to go into our slack team when its whole point is to replace our slack team yeah so that tells you a little bit of what you might expect to see also before we get in you guys have been leaving us some itunes reviews we got our favorite itunes review today it's pretty good if you've been enjoying the show or even if this is your first time listening iTunes reviews mean a whole lot to us for a few reasons. One, it's useful feedback for us. We can actually make the show better. But second, it helps iTunes know that you're listening and you care about the show. So they move us up the charts and it helps new people like you discover the podcast and we can keep growing and keep doing this every single week. So if you've been enjoying the show and have a moment, it would be so awesome if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that feedback, we love to read those comments and even just a star rating uh, helps us helps us refine and move forward. So again, if you could leave us an iTunes review, uh, let us continue begging for that. We would really appreciate it. How many times can you say iTunes review? Does it do like the Beetlejuice thing and like appear when you say it three times? iTunes review, iTunes review, iTunes review. Stop, All right. And with that, let's get into episode 184 with Meredith Schomburg. I am Meredith Schomburg. I am a designer and illustrator currently working at Airbnb. Wow. So, look at that! That was the cleanest intro I've was, ever heard. Did that you write per- that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now put away put away the index <laughs> yes. card. Uh, this is the no notes part of the podcast. Okay. Uh, what are you working on? Uh, so right now I am working on illustration guidelines at Airbnb. We are working alongside. So I'm on the product design team. I'm specifically on the team that we call Experience Architecture, okay. which houses like DLS, Design Language System, um, Kari, who you've talked to before. Mm-hmm. I work alongside him, but I am the kind of in-house illustrator for that team. But we have since realized that our illustration and product is kind of like all over the place. There's marketing purposes. There's product purposes. Um, and so we're, I'm right now I'm aligning with the marketing department, uh, one of the illustrators on their team to kind of do an audit of all the work that we've done. Um, Looking at from icons, like the smallest illustrated visual moment that we have in product to like brand story illustrations Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. trying to make that a really cohesive story. So last week I actually did a sprint um, to work on this sort of stuff. So looking at the smallest illustrated moment that we have from like icons to spot illustrations um, to breaking down like when are illustrations used for educational moments when is it telling uh more about our brand because those are different instances that sometimes need different illustrated styles and moments and tones what does Um, moment mean like in i've never heard that in terms of like i I always hear moments in terms of like twitter no (laughs) i hear moments from the airbnb team and like no Mm -hmm. other team 
Yeah. What, you, what, what do you mean by like moments? illustrated moments? Yeah, or educational moments, or like you guys so, say moments a lot. <laughs> when I say educational moments, this was actually kind of something that we were trying to tackle um, when we were working last week on kind of defining this. We were calling it our like illustrated cornucopia because it starts at this like really small moment and just like yeah, it's bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. And you can um, eat from it. <laughs> yeah, it's like all these illustrations of fruit and yes. food, and it's just yes. delicious visually. Um, I don't know. That was really weird. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so educational moments are kind of when you are like you're onboarding someone to like mm-hmm. teach them how to list their space on Airbnb. And you have like uh, these moments where it's very specific to, hey, you want to shoot a picture of your room from a corner or you want to upload these pictures mm-hmm. in a certain way. So it's it's not just like a moment where you're trying to set the tone for like um, there's different, we have different outcome teams. Mm. And so like one outcome team is business travel. So that's going to be a more serious streamlined sort of, uh, tone to the brand, but it's still like in the Airbnb house. So that's going to feel different than say co-hosting, which is maybe a little bit more like playful and whimsical. Mm -hmm. And if we use illustration for both of those, there's still going to need to be this differentiation between the two. Like tonally. Yeah, totally. Because yeah, like yeah. you don't want like business travel is directed very to a very specific market. So if you have these like really fun, playful, silly illustrations, that might go against the complete point of that outcome team. And so making sure that like all of the illustrations that we use, they feel cohesive, but yeah. they still are in line with the audience that they're directed towards, so that it feels like it's actually helpful and useful, and not just decoration. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and so that- wow, dude. <laughs> What? Look at you coming out of the gate. What? That makes tonal sense. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he said total. No, I didn't. <laughs> gotcha. You've been pun whiffed. <laughs> uh, quiplash. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, that's like a story moment. And then an the okay. educational moment is more of like, it's less about setting the tone and more about just visually guiding someone through a step that we're introducing them in product. So we actually created this flow chart. They kind of asked different questions um, to kind of educate our teams on whether or not they need an illustration and what type of illustration they might need. How illustrated is the flow chart? <laughs> it is not illustrated at all. Which... So is it but really much of a flow chart then? <laughs> it's just text. It's just text. That's disappointing. <laughs> choose, choose your own adventure. It's, just, it's, it's V1. The next one will be full of all sorts of illustrated moments. Ooh. Educational moments? Educational moments. Both educational and brand story. <laughs> Excellent. The moments of moments. Too meta. <laughs> Momentception. Um, because, and like, part of the reason we're creating these guidelines apart from trying to create visual consistency is we're actually trying to help educate our teams on when and how to use illustration because illustration just seems to be this thing that everyone wants to kind of like throw on their product. They might not necessarily like be able to do it themselves but everyone gets really excited when they see this in product and so they're like oh there's this blank empty space we should put an illustration on it Uh brilliant moment and then it's like all of a sudden there's illustrations everywhere and they like lose their purpose entirely because they're just all over product they don't necessarily have any time to the content people are just like let's throw a pretty picture on it and it's just going to create this like magical moment for our users but but delight Delight your users yeah, with, with illustration, illustration everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so 
part of this like flow chart that is not yet illustrated um, was to kind of guide people through asking questions to kind of get them to the point of like, is the content that you've created and designed around, uh, does an illustration make sense in that point? And because some instances, it's literally just like, maybe you need to rethink typography. Maybe um, what you've designed is not actually clear enough for your user. And so you're using an illustration because when really you should just go back and redesign the actual flow of the product. Sure. Um, because you've created it something so confusing that you have to add pictures and visuals to make it clear. Yeah. So just trying to like tighten that up, really like educate people around illustration and where it exists in product. Um, and also just like maintain the specialness of it in product. Um, so that when the user is, uh, faced with illustration, it actually makes sense and it's exciting and you can actually appreciate it for what it is and not just get annoyed with it. Like you see gradients everywhere and you're yeah. just like, oh, fuck another gradient. Ugh, gross. <laughs> How do you kind of I feel like that? you're just beating up on my products now. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> yeah. If you use purple gradients, you kind of suck. Uh, so you What guys. is even the point? Um, <laughs> Pretty sure I saw some purple gradients on your screen earlier. Uh-huh. And then you hire someone to just fill in some blank spaces with illustrations. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, can't, I don't know who you're talking about. What, what do you do? What do you say to someone or, you know, you're working in-house at a, rapidly growing company i imagine there's like increasing inbound requests for illustrations mm-hmm. what do you say to someone when they're, they're like yeah we want we want an illustration here is and you don't dog? think it's a good decision do, like is there a formalized process of saying that's what a flowchart's for right no we don't <laughs> think that's a good idea uh, or like so that's i mean that's part of kind of what i'm trying to tackle right uh, now yeah. because admittedly i'm i'm not the best at f- taking those requests in because right now it really looks like people just hitting me up on Slack and I'm like my own project manager and I like am not not good at managing projects I'm just like I'm a creative don't send me me requests what is process I just make pretty pictures give me space as she whisks her (laughs) scarf behind her shoulder (laughs) she's wearing three scarves right now seriously like this is over the top Meredith Uh, I just like you know I'm trying to be eccentric and unique (laughs) success (laughs) Um, so part of that, part of what we're trying to establish right now, um, is actually creating a more formalized process mm-hmm. that goes beyond just like hitting me up on Slack because <laughs> beyond just like <laughs> the least really formal thing out. possible. <laughs> uh, um, so sometimes, uh, to my own fault, it's looked like me actually maybe ignoring those yeah. Slack requests and being like, I'm coming out with a process. Just hold off. Yeah. yeah. Or actually sitting down with people and just trying to come up with a solution sometimes uh it's hard because you i want to encourage illustration i think it's a really powerful tool um but it's more special when it's less often right yeah again it goes to my earlier point of people just like wanting to make sure that it's special because but i'm a i'm an in-house designer airbnb and i'm special and my product special and i demand illustration <laughs> i want the illustration i mean it takes it takes it seems like it would take discipline to to not want to make everyone happy or feel special that their product is deserving of the illustrative touch right yeah and i think it's it's honestly that's meredith's blessing (laughs) please Meredith, (laughs) bless um, my product and like the thing is is like i'm not the only person that makes these calls like it is very much a partnership with our marketing department we've had contractors in the past so it's like part of it is reigning in uh, not reining in, but trying to help create a system so that it's actually clear if people are supposed to come to me or not. Because 
I'm not, I'm not the only person that calls these shots. Like I'm just specific to our product team and I'm helping out with that and I'm helping kind of establish those guidelines. But you're also helping define the style, right? Um, so that's part of the question right now is we're defining the style in a sense of do we work with multiple contractors? So it's more of an editorial feel. Do we have one specific style that multiple people replicate? What's in line with our brand story? Previously, you'd done quite a few contractors, right? Like, I think Ryan Putnam worked on it for a while. Yeah, Ryan did a lot of work for us. And that was always interesting because people would try and copy his style. And Mm -hmm. there was even just this question around, like, should we be copying his style? (laughs) Um, People would, we, I would see, like, these, like, Frankenstein illustrations all over product or emails where someone had taken like the head from one of Ryan's illustrations and then they'd found this like hand that I had done oh, kind of doing this, his style and it was like con- they were combined together and the weights of the lines would be off and the color was like kind of offset in all these different ways. Ugh. And so part of what we're trying to do right now is kind of like go in and be like, okay, let's not do that. Yeah, yeah, um, no more. So back to your question of like how people coming and making requests, it's kind of... It's in the works. It's an ongoing process because I want to help people put that into product and just kind of like art direct it. And so because it's this like process, I literally sent an email out like last week that was like, hey, um, we're figuring out process right now. I know you all got all of you want to like put this in product. It's exciting. Like this is why we're doing it because I want to see this like in product. But just like hold off for like. (laughs) few more weeks because we're rolling out this like new process. It's hey, going to be super exciting. Hey, company, <laughs> chill out for a minute. Yes. It was can literally can like, y'all just give out. me like a, a few weeks off and like <laughs> do process? It's it's just an ongoing process. And I'm learning a lot about myself of how like eager I am to kind of please my team and offer that assistance. And then realizing that I've actually just agreed to all of this work that I don't have time for that actually puts me behind the original goals that I set for myself to help kind of clean yeah. this up. You need to scale yourself, right? Yes. So um, you actually changed roles pretty quick when you joined Airbnb, right? Yes. Like when you joined <laughs> seven months ago, mm-hmm. uh, which was right after I joined Figma because you came to our like first party. <laughs> yeah. I literally like landed in yeah. San Francisco after moving from North Carolina And it was my first week of onboarding. It was exhausting. I was like so overwhelmed in like a very happy way of just everything that was thrown at me. Mm -hmm. And I got this like Twitter invite from Bryn's like shindigma. Haven't seen you guys since Epicurrence. Yeah. It's like they might not actually remember who I am, but I'm here. I have no friends. Yo, I met you at Epicurrence (laughs) and I was like, oh my God, your Twitter username is the best thing. (laughs) You were the only one that like actually got that reference. And I it's, felt, it's a Lord of the Rings joke. I'm I into it. It's a Lord of the Rings joke. <laughs> of course, Bryn got it. I was like, oh, I walked up in Epicurrence and I'm like, I have amounted, not amounted to nothing. That's not true. But I'm like this little like teeny bopper North Carolina <laughs> <Teeny> designer. Bopper. <laughs> <laughs> designer ah, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> who like, uh, no one knew where I was from. And I knew who everybody else was, like all these like Bay Area designers. And then I met you and I was like, I listened to your podcast. It's so great. <laughs> And you knew oh, my you Twitter handle. You should not have told him that. And we were and then friendly. And then we were friends. So like yeah. today is our friend anniversary yeah. in a way. Oh oh yeah. god. <laughs> it was a year ago. A year ago Literally this time. A year ago, ago in a week. Oh, Something like that. February twelfth. Just let me have this one. Wait, wait, okay. We're getting uh, besides the point. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you, you came out and you joined Airbnb under a different role? Yeah. So when I when I actually interviewed, I was talking to Katie Dill about joining the product team because the previous place that I had been at, I was a UI designer Mm -hmm. um, doing, you know, product design and whatnot. 
And they were like, cool, do you want to do you actually want to do product? Because a lot of stuff that I'd done in the past was more like graphic design, visual design, illustration work. Um, And in a lot of ways, I was just really eager to get out here and just learn as much as I could and just kind of figure out where I felt like my strengths were, what I could learn the most from and make an impact. And at the time, it seemed like just like product and UX was going to be my opportunity to do that. So when I came to Airbnb, I was actually assigned to the business travel team Uh as just like a pure UX designer. Um, And I actually never did an official project with that team. (laughs) I sat with them, but I kept getting assigned to like different teams to do like icons or internal illustration. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, you're just like getting adjusted to the company. Like eventually we'll give you like a big girl project for the time. Just do like banner ads for the business travel team. (laughs) But while you're also doing icons, while you're also doing this like internal illustration project. And then I actually got assigned to do to introduce a new icon set into product when we launched um, experiences and trips. So for a long time, I worked on that team before we had our like big launch in November And as I worked on that team, it became like more apparent that that was the work that I was really excited about. And I would do like I did some illustration work for Katie um, around our like XD guidelines to like intro people Mm -hmm. to the team. And it was just like I had so much fun with that. And it was one thing that I really appreciated about being on that team is that the people that are in leadership are really attuned to like what people are excited about. Sure. Um, And so I had a lot of conversations with Katie because we would have one on one since I started. She'd be like, do you do you want to like keep doing this? Are you happy on the business travel team? Like, do you want, or do you want to do like more icons? Do you want to do more illustration work? And for a long time, I felt kind of guilty because I was like, oh, you guys hired me as a product designer. Like I have to stick to that. That's what I told you I wanted to do. Um, And she was really great about kind of like coaxing out of me the reality that I didn't want to just do UX and that my heart was in more of the visual design side of stuff. Yeah. Um, And so as we had these conversations, I actually like officially switched over to the experience architecture team. Which every time I saw you, you were with that group of people anyway. <laughs> I mean, part of that was just because I was like good friends with Ben and John. Yeah, and they sat Kari over there. So I would just kind of like, jungle. you know, gravitate towards that area yeah. anyways. But it was great. So then I like made that switch and I got to kind of jump in more intentionally into those sorts of projects. Yeah, yeah. Um, Having like a clear path to contributing value. Right, right yeah. Because like people, like I said, like we, because the illustration in product was kind of like all over the place and no one knew who owned what I would get asked to do illustrations for stuff anyways. Mm-hmm. And so I would just take them on cause I was like, cool, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and so getting to like be on the actual team that owns that sort of stuff, um, has been great because it's added more structure to it. So it's not these like one-off random things I can actually devote my time to it, which has been really exciting. Who's the best designer on the, uh, experiences architecture team. I mean, obviously me. Who's, <laughs> Well, obviously, no, Who, who's, your God, so who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? On my team? Can we just say who's your favorite coworker generally? Yeah. We know enough of them. Like, Knowing that they're all listening and pick one. do that because they're all going to listen to us. Gonna, no, gonna that, that's to, why. You're going to have to look <laughs> them in the eye tomorrow, Monday. Well, tomorrow and will say, be. say, I'm sorry, John Gold. It's just. It's not you. <laughs> oh, oh, I really want to say that, but he would hate me so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, not a serious question. Uh. <laughs> Not a serious question. <laughs> so you, how, the answer is obviously Jeannie Ngo. Yeah. So I mean, Jeannie is one of my work yeah. BFFs. Yeah. She's the best. Except how, Pixel Pong, and that was great. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was so much fun. We were so excited about that. Good. We had practice rounds. We booked rooms. 
for those of you who don't know, Pixel Fong <laughs> is a live stream thing that Marshall Bach and I do for Figma and on like we live stream it on YouTube. And it's basically two versus two illustration competitions. And Meredith and Jeannie both fucking killed it. It was so <laughs> but we good. Lost. So did we really? Who did you go against? Uh, Tegan and Tegan and Graydon. Yeah. Tegan Miley and Graydon Spies. Yeah. Uh, and Graydon went ham out of nowhere. Oh, it was amazing. Like, right at the end. <laughs> as soon as there was that reveal, like Jeannie and I like looked up from our computers because we were working across each other, just like made eye contact. We're just like, fuck, we lost. Shit. <laughs> we just lost. Uh, so yeah, it was a very humbling moment. And I'm still waiting for <laughs> my so I'm still waiting for my enamel pin that says that I'm a pretty this okay week? designer. Yeah, Raji just, made like, pins for it. Just that I'm just average. It's Ra- really great. <laughs> Raji King made really awesome <laughs> pins that say, if you're a winner, it's either world's best designer on like a gold pin, mm-hmm. and then the the like losers get a uh, pretty okay designer on a silver pin. Oh, honestly, they I kind of liked it better. You're pretty it's just, okay. like, no, it's a great mildly character. enthused ping pong paddle. I'm yeah. so excited <laughs> I get both of them. <laughs> so, how long had you been at Airbnb when that transition happened? Hmm, timeline. Okay, because the time that I worked on the trips team was like this weird time warp because we were moving so fast, and that's about like when the switch actually happened. So I think I'd actually been working there for like two or three months uh, when the official switch happened because it was this funny thing where I was like 50% on business travel, 30% on trips. And then I was like doing some weird visual design for like the data science team. And I was like, no, let's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was weird just being split between all these teams. Can you Um, help me understand? Like I, we talk about design systems a lot uh, on this show and just in general right (laughs) if brian says can you help me understand it's always a trap Uh, like in my head i understand this idea of reusable components and like composing components into screens and flows and like Mm -hmm. going from small to big does that methodology apply to illustration like we are going to come up with like this perfect Atomic unit. Maybe (laughs) it's a color or a line stroke width or some stroke width. Like, is it that? And then you compose outwards, or like, how do you how do you build a design system for like something so? Brian doesn't draw things. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really it's it's interesting uh, that you. That's why I asked for help. (laughs) Uh, It's no, it's interesting that you asked that because it's actually something that I was. I had this kind of like moment of realization where we've actually. The team that I'm on is called the Experience Architecture Team because we deal with like the experience of our visual architecture throughout product. But so much of the company knows us as the DLS team because the work that Kari is doing is so prevalent from like our component library. Um, you know, all of that is so up in front from the team that we're doing, but it's not the only like specialty within our team. Like we actually have Michael, who's working on accessibility. We've got another guy on my team, Salih, who does all of our animation. I'm working with illustration. And so those elements are less, or it's not just the design language system, but because that our team is like known for that, known for components, known for these like reusable parts, um, there's been this kind of mentality towards illustration in the same way. When really illustration is more about, comp- I think it's more about composition and about knowing the context and it's not necessarily this thing where you can have this like like you said the perfect hand and then you get to pick your head yeah. and then you get to pick the body yeah. 
and you kind of get to like move it around the lego pieces of illustration yeah the lego pieces of illustration because if you see like the really beautiful like editorial illustrations um that actually make you feel something make you connect with the content you know the artist or the illustrator has very intentionally laid out that composition and thought about the whole of it if you start like throwing in all of these pieces you get kind of what I was talking about earlier where you get these like Frankenstein illustrations Um, because I think there's the whole spectrum of designer from like the really thoughtful strategic UX designer to more of the visual designer Um, who is unthoughtful and unstrategic not that that. it's just (laughs) like there's like the yeah, I it's know. more yeah. thinking about the steps, and then sure. there's people that are thinking more about the visual composition. Can we just design all, or can we just like define all of the different types of designers there are, no. and just like give them a whole? Should like, designers draw? You can only do this one thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. No, they should not. How dare they? Um, so it's been so because of that, because there is this idea of components, and then people are starting to kind of apply that logic and thinking towards illustration, kind of trying to take a step back and think about like to what extent do you componentize illustration and in what moments is it more like more artistic, more compositional based where you don't want that? Because I think to an extent you can take away kind of the special. Yeah. It almost seems like the methodologies are odds. Although if if everything is illustrations, no illustrations are good or special. Well, it's not even that. It's like the composition. It's just there. Like if you gave people a library of all of these parts and say, hey, make your own illustration, you get some people that could probably throw together a really beautiful thing. And then some people that just won't. And it's not not that they're like a bad designer. It's just like they're actually bad humans. (laughs) (laughs) They're terrible humans. Yeah, obviously. Um, And I don't like me to say that to be like, oh, not everyone should do this. But. I mean, it takes time to learn, it right? It's, it's not learn. like a type of person. It's a, a an amount of time spent. Right. And like maybe maybe there is a way. Like I haven't actually thought about like what does it look like to design a componentized illustration system? I just think that would take so much time and effort to like actually do that well versus the time that you could just have like a really good illustrator design something to, but I, for it. I would imagine you have like not components, but rules. Maybe. Yeah. So like it's less about Palettes creating and... components and more about like, what are the colors that you use? Yeah. What are the textures? All that you gradients use? are purple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, like it goes back to the idea of tone. Like, yeah. what outcome team are you representing? Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent is it playful? To what extent is it serious? Is it more geometric? Is it more organic? There are all these like tones and feelings that illustrations convey um, that are just very different from the world of like buttons and components and lines. Question. Possible answer. How do you measure the success of the illustrations you create? Is there a measurement for that? Um, that is a great question that I don't Thanks. necessarily know <laughs> the answer to. Um, I think like with products, you can kind of gauge people's interactions and ju- like you can do data analysis on the success of a product. I think illustration starts to kind of get towards that art and design side of stuff. Like there's the design and tech realm and then you have like the design and art realm and I think illustration flirts those lines um so when it comes to illustration like it might be really successful for some people because of how they relate to it or the emotions that it makes them feel but because it's more because it's more emotive and not action-based I don't know how I don't know necessarily how you would judge yeah the success of it I mean you could probably talk to people like but I I imagine (laughs) let me try and articulate this um when teams build products and they're measuring for certain metrics, you can A-B test that really well mm-hmm. because it's 
pretty cold data, right? You're tracking clicks or percentages and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you add illustrations into perhaps to try and move those metrics, but also for other reasons that have nothing to do with metrics. It's about brand and tone and the things we've been talking about. And I wonder if if those are ever at odds, like if the tone that you've created or the illustration you've put into a flow does something positive subjectively in terms of like the user's emotion, but mm-hmm. it actually reduces the metrics. And if that's measured in mm-hmm. how you would weight that, like when when an illustration actually hurts the product baseline, but subjectively feels good. Yeah. Maybe it's like- that doesn't happen. <laughs> So does that make sense? I yeah, it makes maybe sense. Maybe I'm overthinking I this, like, but I, I, like you can you can tell this is just like I'm not good at doing what you do. So like trying <laughs> to come to grips with like how these worlds coexist and they can be like. Are you even valuable? I guess is his question. No, that's I'm not the, the question. Fucking valuable asset. <laughs> MV fucking P. <laughs> MV fucking P. I uh, wish that could be our title of this episode. <laughs> MV asterisk 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 <laughs> P. Please, Sarah. Please. And <laughs> most no. What? Fucking v- isn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. No, it's, it's not a question of value. It's a que- like I understand the value. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you just don't come, understand how to enumerate I come, it. I come from a really cold and robotic and mechanical <laughs> uh, mindset. See, right? Payments at is Facebook. It is it bad? Uh, that, I mean, like, like my style is just like I want just text and white and on the screen. Heavy drop so, shadows. Is it? This <laughs> might. This might be a really. T- terrible thing to say <gasps> maybe it's not terrible i don't know and it's gonna be so you're asking me about like metrics and yeah. just the, ah, i just like don't care mm, yeah i like it's not that i don't care like i do care how people respond to things but for me it's like i i don't get caught up in that it's more of like what am i creating like i tend to focus more on how the work that i do brings joy to my coworkers and the teams that i'm providing these assets for and less of I just like the because I don't know I think sometimes we just like get in our heads with metrics that we're so metric focused hi (laughs) you you lose the soul of the product yeah you lose the soul of it you lose kind of like the beauty of just like creating something because you're like I mean fucking stoked on it it's just like I think there's some conversation that I, I always I'm not big on Twitter to be honest but I like every now and then I see these things I'm like oh that's going to be a big conversation that blows up in some way and someone had like tweeted something about like boring design is the best design or something Brian because it, like, that was you bud <laughs> oh it was <laughs> shit it was me uh, oh no here we go here we go here we go <laughs> like boring design is the best design and it's uh, just, I did like, not say the best design okay but like let's continue <laughs> you disagree I just like I it's not that I disagree I just get really bored of looking at the same like sans serif type on a white background that's all like buttons look the same on every single product Uh and so what I love about like the illustration world and about like more of the art and design side of stuff is that it's much more diverse and interesting and it might not like up metrics but it makes you feel something that you don't just like experience all the time what are feelings <laughs> do you have them Brian? can you help are me you, how do you, are you a wait, robot can you help is me this understand emotes <laughs> how, how do you get metrics on those <laughs> can you can you measure the emote uh and you know i think the point of this for me and like the realization that I've had over time is it's important for people like us to work together exactly which is I why i think it's a good compliment right like <laughs> someone who who really gives a shit about 
the way this thing makes people feel mm-hmm. and the way it comes across mm-hmm. and like this very subtle or underlying perception of a product with someone who like really cares about the metrics and Absolutely. cares about clarity and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about kind of the team setup that I'm at sure. right now. Yeah. And just like the projects that I'm starting to work with you guys on um, is that I get so focused on making this like, let's make this beautiful emotional piece that just like gets everyone really excited and like flowery inside. <laughs> and then I like kind of like lose track <laughs> of like why I'm actually building it and what it's for. And I'm like, wait, focus. Flowery. And I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I just want people to like grow gardens inside of themselves. Uh, <laughs> that um, sounds great because my insides just, are empty and cold just and barren. Your, just fill it in with heart gardens. What does it feel like Shut to feel? <laughs> I mean, you've seen some of the illustrations I've done. It's just all sorts of like flowers bursting outside yeah. of people. Literally um, through their bodies. Yes, literally <laughs> through their bodies. Like that's alien, not, that's not a like alien no, style it's it's a flowers. Chest, it's a chest burster that is also a fern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyways, um, no, but it's it's good because I think I don't necessarily think like one form of thinking is better than the other, but like you said, the importance of those people working together to kind of bring balance to the things that we build. Synergy. cool so the thing we usually do right after the intro that we kind of skipped this time was how did you get to here like what got you started (laughs) in design what was tell us your journey tell us your story (laughs) the origin story of meredith chapter one we need a superhero (laughs) name sean bombadil no that's my twitter handle bro hmm we definitely need a name before we can hear about your origin story. This is uh, crucial content. Uh, crucial uh, content. Brian, I'm looking at you. Uh, Come on. You got this. Nope. I got this. While he thinks about it, where are you from? I am from North Carolina. Whoa. Right outside of Raleigh. Holy um, moly. You're a long way raised. from home. Born and raised. Um, yeah. So, and I had never really lived anywhere else besides there until I moved out here seven months ago. Um, but the way you're, the way, little, you're just a little SF baby, <laughs> just a little, little baby. Because I don't get told enough that I'm already young on the team. Yeah, you're uh-huh. a pretty young person. I, like, I love for people to just remind me how young and childlike I am. How hey. young are you? You're cher- cherubic, cher- cherubic, cherubic. Cher- what? Cherubic? Isn't that? Like... I'm just a fat baby angel wearing three scarves. <laughs> yes. <in> yes. <laughs> this is a beautiful visual. <laughs> You need to illustrate this. You need to draw this. <laughs> Maribic. Nope. That's not it. No. <laughs> Marib? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what? What was it like? <laughs> what was it like growing up in North Carolina? It was I, I don't know. It's this is probably nothing exciting to talk about. It was pretty boring. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs. Ugh. I yeah, to... Okay, let's fast forward. This is really I'm falling asleep. When did you start um, getting so good at drawing? Um, How did you get good? When did you draw good? <laughs> so I I don't know. I think when I I feel like I'm really lucky because my parents were always really encouraging of any sort of like kind of creative pursuit um, for me or my little brother. Um, so I like I was always drawing pictures as a kid. Um, when everyone else was like in soccer and piano lessons, my parents were like, "Do you want to do art lessons?" I'd be like, "Yeah, let me go like paint and draw for a couple w- hours." What after are school. art lessons? They teach you how to draw good? Teach me how to art. I mean, it like, was just like, 
time where people gave you like supplies and you yeah. had to just make shit, which was really cool. Yeah. But like I was an indoor kid and <laughs> I just like sat there and drew Dragon Ball Z characters all day long. I mean, I definitely had an anime phase. But so I didn't end up like you. So <laughs> um, so what he's so, saying is he didn't end up good. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. It's OK. Can um, you draw me some Dragon Ball Z characters? No. <laughs> No, I already drew you in Steven Universe form. Oh, it's so. the best. It's my favorite drawing. <laughs> um, so I like I always was drawing and painting and doing that sort of stuff as a kid. And I think actually kind of like the first moment for me that I look back on like how I got into this was my dad actually got me like a Wacom tablet when I was in sixth grade, maybe. And man, I just loved that thing. I would sit in his office because it was the time where you had like one computer in your house um and i would sit and i would just like draw on that thing all day and then i like realized what layers were and i remember my mind being blown with that concept like actually (laughs) sunk in and i would i would draw characters i would digitally produce them i would like all throughout like middle and high school did all sorts of like quote-unquote graphic design things and i just loved it i was creating content but i was doing it digitally and at the same time, I was still doing like painting and I was still doing drawing and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And at the same time, we also had like a really good family friend who was this really amazing fine artist. She would teach like painting lessons in Monet's gardens and I would go and do like art lessons with her. And I remember like going over to her house one time and just like laying out all the stuff that I had made in like freshman year of high school. And she'd look at it. She's like, this is cool. This is cool. Don't waste your time doing fine art because you won't get good at it or recognized until you're like 50 or 60. But you should check out graphic design programs because that's kind of the future of this sort of creative industry. And you're already kind of doing that and you would probably really love it. And so that just kind of like really sunk in for me. And so I started looking at graphic design programs. I went to like a design camp that a local university was putting on Uh where they were like introduced students to like architecture, industrial design, graphic design, animation. And I just like loved it. It was so much fun. I was like, this is what I want to do. So what I want to do. So, yeah, it was just kind of this like very fluid path where I wanted to do something creative. Like I found graphic design. I did a four year graphic design program. And did like I did an internship um, for IDEO, which was absolutely amazing. Wait, um, tell me more. Tell, tell how did me that more. happen? Uh, how did I intern with them? Yeah. Um, so I, so they actually came to my. I went to North Carolina State, um, and they came and they interviewed people for internships. And I remember it was happening like during finals, and I was freaking out because it was just like all-nighters constantly trying to finish our finals and I completely missed the time that they were taking interviews and I remember just like kicking myself and being so mad like this is a great design firm like I'd love to work for them and I just like totally flopped on this opportunity Um, and so I was like not complaining about this but like kind of talking about it to a professor and he was like just like follow up with them like go find like reach out to some other studios and just see if there's other opportunities. Um, so he actually connected me with like an alumni that was working in their Boston office. Um, and he was really kind of like kind of helped me get my name in front of them. And I interviewed and I got the internship. It was pretty straightforward. Nice. Um, but that for me was kind of the first uh, introduction into like the design industry outside of school. And I think that's what kind of really got me excited about design as like change 
and the impact it can have on communities because that wasn't so much a product design. It was more of a communication and visual design internship. But just like the impact the design has on communities and the opportunity you have to engage with people through design and create those emotions. Um, it was like the first time I experienced that. And then it kind of ruined the last year of school for me because I was like, why am I doing these hypothetical projects? Like this isn't doing anything. Like sure, it's fun, but like I'm ready to like get out there and make stuff and actually do something with design instead of just like creating these random projects for my portfolio that mean nothing. At what point did you realize you could make money doing this? Like this was a viable path for you? <laughs> um, what do you mean? When did you realize you could get paid for this? <laughs> when I did a freelance gig my last year of school. So that was in college. <laughs> this was after the IDEO. Yeah. So I actually, um, after IDEO, one of the guys that was a designer there, he left to go be head of design at this group in New York and actually followed up with me afterwards and was like, do you want to do some freelance work for us? And I actually got to do like illustration work for them, which was really rad. Uh, it was a combination of like icons and illustration pieces. They like named all of their conference call rooms after hairstyles. So I did all these like hairstyle illustrations that were then like vinyl cutouts on uh, windows. Yeah. There's and beehive. I left, yeah, there's a beehive one. Um, and that's I left the, like that's the, the best hairstyle. I left the of... faces blank, and so it was great because I was like, okay, cool. If these are like vinyl cutouts on glass windows, it'll be like the face things where you like put your face in, and people actually did that. Yeah, yeah. Like my friend sent me pictures later of like people like posing in the hairstyles in these windows, and I was like, this is cool. It's still one of my favorite projects I've done to date. Um, just and one of your first ones. One of my first ones, and that was cool too because it was like I was doing these illustration pieces. I was getting paid for it, and it was like all of the stuff that I had started out on doing to get me to where I am now. Like it was all illustration work, and it's kind of come back full circle where I like did more or more graphic design. I like dabbled in product and UI stuff, and I'm like coming back full circle to like really illustration stuff, and so for. I don't know. It's just like kind of neat to see how the stuff that like got me excited about it, got me into the field is kind of like how what I've settled into again. Yeah. After like years of like education and whatnot. Um, yeah. And like I'm still fairly new into it as mm -hmm. well. But I don't know. It's cool to cool to actually like do what you set out to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> it. Uh, we mentioned earlier. So we first met at Epicurrence and mm -hmm. uh, you said at the time you had this like perception of people in the Bay Area and stuff. I'm curious what what you found in North Carolina in terms of community and other like-minded people that were doing this. Like, were mm -hmm. you able to find something or was was this, like, distant Bay Area <laughs> thing on your mind? Um, so it was kind of this weird setup where I graduated from school. And I actually, um, the fact that I'm at Airbnb is kind of funny because when I was in my last year of school, I actually spent all of my time applying to this fellowship with their marketing department. Um, and I got the offer and I like decided to turn it down last minute, um, because it spent, I'd spent all this time thinking like, I'm going to move to San Francisco. Like that is the end goal for anyone that's a designer is to go to San Francisco. Um, and as I was, we like, are basically retired now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as I was doing this, I was working towards it. And it's not that the team wasn't great and the work that they were doing wasn't great, but I had this moment where I realized like how much I loved the city of Raleigh. Um, and like the creative community there is very, young it's growing it's more on the marketing side of stuff and like freelancers than it is product but there was a part of me that kind of stopped and was like why am I so quick to abandon this city right after I graduate like I should put in a little bit of time here and see what I can do before I like up and leave um, and it was this combination of like 
I was a little arrogant to think that like I'm fresh out of college. I'm gonna make all this change in the city impact. But you know, you like you you graduate and you think like you know I'm gonna change the world, and then you realize how weird the world is, and you're just one person. And it's not that you can't make impact, but you also need experience and like kind of knowledge to know how to do that. Um, And so I spent some time in Raleigh, but I also realized that for me, the type of work that I wanted to be doing, there weren't really any agencies. There weren't a lot of companies that were doing stuff beyond just like pure UX. And I wanted to do something that was kind of like bridge the gap of both of those, Um, as well as just like a mission that I could stand behind. Um, And so and on top of like there weren't, at least to me, I and I'm sure they're there. I just like couldn't find them like strong female role models in the design industry, which is, I think, just a general hard to find sometimes. Um, but part of what when I circled back around and I met people at Up Occurrence and I talked to Katie, um, I was really intrigued with Airbnb because to me it felt like this mixture of uh, really cool opportunities with product, a lot of really rad female designers on their team. Um, who have been like exceptional role models to me since I've started working there, but also like a mission I can stand behind of like belong anywhere and like creating a global community. But there's also a high emphasis on just like creative pursuit. Um, not just like, it's not necessarily that like the, the company does encourage that, but a lot of the people on my team pursue those things individually. Like there's so many talented, rad people that I work with that have all of these side hobbies from like Jeannie and her crazy art shows um, to a lot of friends that are doing like photography, uh, people that have just started their own. Like people are so creative and so talented and it's like so far beyond just like the day to day work that we do that that like kind of drew me out here. People are more than their jobs. Yeah, people are more yeah. than their jobs. And like I think that's also been kind of this realization too is like you know you have this like perception of what other cities are like and what other creative communities are like when you're on the outside and then you actually like get there and like in some ways it like meets and exceeds your expectations in other ways it doesn't like own up to them um and then you realize like like for me I came out here thinking like this job is gonna like completely fulfill me it's gonna be so much better than the setup I had in North Carolina and in a lot of ways it has been like I absolutely I love my team. I love the work that I'm doing. But there was also this realization of like pursuing my own creative uh, interests beyond just like the work that was assigned to me. Um, And finding that like your day job is it's that it's your day job and you have to like find enjoyment and like purpose in that. Um, And a lot of that for me is like making assets that excite my teammates. Mm -hmm. Like I was saying earlier, like it's less about that end user, which is like, it's so important to think about them too. But I get really excited when I like- It's not measuring their behavior. It's not measuring their behavior, whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know where I was going with this, Um, but just like- Finding outlets. Finding outlets, finding side projects. Like it was great because we actually had like two weeks off for Christmas for- like Airbnb gave that this, which was like great. I felt like I was back in school with like a really long holiday vacation um, and just like spent a lot of that time just doing like personal work, which is the first time I'd done them in a really long time. And just like it, it was got- so good. <laughs> <laughs> it got me so jazzed for like personal work and actually like channeling just general feelings about what's going on in the world right now and just emotions through through the work that I do. 
um, and kind of getting more excited about developing personal styles and just growing that and finding ways to like team up with other people and make things. Um, yeah, I don't <laughs> I feel like I'm going off on this rant. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> one, one thing you mentioned is the difficulty of finding female role models in mm. design. Yeah. Have you had a chance to find some? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think part of it was just like actually working with female designers because at my last team, I th- I think there might have been another girl, but I don't. <laughs> it was like me and a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Um, my manager was the guy. The co-founders were men. All the designers on the team were men. And so it was kind of like hard to know if the way I was being treated or the way that my work was perceived was sometimes based on my gender. Um, so when I came out to Airbnb, it like, it's not that the ratio is perfect, but there was all of a sudden I was working alongside other female designers who were really talented, really strong in what they were doing. Even just like, I think like my, my program manager who, uh, her name's Jade and she's just, she's a badass. She's awesome. And she's very good at just like straight up saying like what needs to happen Mm -hmm. and not taking any bullshit from people and like like people have tried to call her mom and she's like, I'm not your mom. And just like straight up does it. And it's great. And like, it's that sort of strong presence of just like fun and talented and, but just like straightforward and direct and like stands up for the work that they're doing. That has been like so amazing to experience out here. Are there particular people that like, so Jade, uh, Jeannie, Katie, mm-hmm. are there other people that like for, for folks listening, they might be able to, to start following and, um, I mean, get exposed to some some of the people that you've been exposed to. Yeah, I mean, I definitely someone that we all know and love. Meg has also been a really great Meg Robichaux. <laughs> yeah, a great uh, person for me to go to just because I am working on a lot of illustration stuff that she's already done so much work in. Um, and I remember like the last time she was in town, she sat down and like showed me all of the guidelines stuff that she had been working on, oh, and yeah. Yeah. has been a good sounding board for that sort of stuff, which has been awesome. But like everyone <laughs> knows her already, I guess. Um, Everyone knows Meg. Everyone knows Meg. <laughs> the Meg. The Meg. Um, God, I'm trying to think. Netta's over at Airbnb now. She's amazing. Oh, gosh. Netta. Netta's great. Netta and I took pottery classes together, and it was so much fun. <laughs> um, I think she thinks I'm crazy, though, because she just laughs at me half the time. Well, you are crazy. This is true. Uh-huh. This is true. I'm wearing three scarves. Yeah, take them off. Like, it's hot in here. <laughs> it's so This hot. is insane. I cannot believe this. <laughs> For those of you listening, I am not actually wearing three scarves. For those of you listening, she's lying. <laughs> she's wearing four, four scarves. scarves. <laughs> Too many Guys, scarves. it's actually five. Holy this oh, is a weird... They all blend together after a while. Scarf gradient. Oh, God, no. The other thing uh, I'm, I'm quite curious about, because I've, I've met folks who do illustration, they are illustrators, and they kind of want to do what you did, but end up in a product company... Uh, embedded within product teams doing that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had some UI design background, but do mm-hmm. you have advice for people that want to end up where you are, like thinking about illustration and product mm-hmm. and and ways to position your work or or frame it to uh, like on your resume or something that mm-hmm. this is useful for products? Skill um, bars. <laughs> 
So you illustrator, need to say like seventy five percent accuracy in Illustrator yeah. can create icons in Sketch. Ten yeah. percent um, concentrated power. You can create icons in Sketch that are good. You can illustrate in Sketch. You are a god, <laughs> and please come teach me a thing or two because yeah. that pixel grid messes it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it hurts. Uh, no, okay. So I'm not sure if I know exactly like how to put it on your resume, but for me, like the way that I kind of got here was. Um, at my last job where we were doing product, I really tapped into like icon opportunities and then that doing like some additional side projects for the company that inquire that like adopted illustration. Because for me, it was like there was this moment where we were having an on we were working on a product that required onboarding and we were just going to like slap some pictures on there. And then it turned into this really cool opportunity for illustration. And I think part of it is just kind of looking for those moments in product where you can start to introduce better storytelling. And I know that storytelling is this phrase that we throw out a lot, but it is like a useful term for like, how can you go beyond just the components and how can you look for the moments that like welcome people into a new flow or into a new task and actually like taking that initiative to create those assets. Because I think sometimes we get so caught up in like the task list that we have to get done that we don't always want to take that extra step to produce those assets. And if you're really interested in doing that work, like spend the extra time because then I found that like I kind of had to make time for the things that I was excited about. And because I put in that effort up front, it's helped me make the case to actually integrate it more into my like resource time. Do you feel like having the UI background you did was was key? Like you came in as a product designer, right? I so mean, is that worth someone investing time in learning or was that just uh, unique to, to your case? I think I honestly like I say I have a UI background, but it was literally just like I got hired as a sure. quote unquote product designer yeah. at a really tiny agency that didn't have a ton of clients. But that was my title. OK. And so I honestly did more illustration work there than I probably did product. OK. And it just it just like worked out for me. Like that was just kind of what I did. Um, if UI design is something that people are interested in, then I say invest in it. My thing is like. Don't feel like you have to like invest in something because you think it's going to get you to a certain point. It's more like tap into what excites you in design and just like dig really deep into that. Like should I, illustrators code? <laughs> I was just about to say I like I actually had a time where I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to code because this seems relevant. And after like a few failed attempts at trying to get through some basic courses, I was just like, you know what? I see value in this. I see value in designers like learning this stuff. I just have zero interest in it. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you write SVG? No. I was just like, I have zero interest in this. And I don't want to like spend my time trying to teach myself a skill that I'm like ultimately not passionate about yeah. when I'd rather be spending these hours like redefining my illustration style or sure. like typography or just something that does interest me. And I think like don't, this is just my opinion. Don't waste your time trying to teach yourself a skill that you think other people think is useful, but spend your time like actually working on the stuff that you get excited about because that's what you're going to be able to sell uh, yourself on and whatever role you're trying to get to. Because if you start like spending your time doing some tasks that you're really not excited about, but you think other people think is useful, then you're going to find yourself down this track like a few years later and you're like, how did I even get here? I don't want to be doing this. I'm only doing shit I don't like doing. <laughs> exactly. Um, but just like advocating for the work that you want to be doing, putting in extra hours because that's just ever a lot of people that I talk to. That's the stuff that you are spending after work doing that you're doing like extra projects for that you're teaming up with people to do like that's the type of work you want to be doing. And so just like invest in that deeply and look for those opportunities to expand it. 
That was awesome. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> On that note, uh-huh. we like to end by asking, what keeps you up at night? The bright lights that shine into my bedroom. It's a little <laughs> too literal. <laughs> now, follow-up question. What keeps, what you, up keeps you up at night that's not a literal thing? I just had to do that, guys. It's funny. We actually get... Everyone does that. We get, we get, Everyone does we get feedback on this question. People are like, stop asking that question because it's a bad oh, way to I, phrase I, it. I know exactly what you guys were trying to ask. I was just trying to just be annoying. being a smart... A- well, yep. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Jing. <laughs> um, what keeps me up at night? I think it's a combination of, am I doing work that I'm excited about? Um, because are I you? think that... In a lot of ways, yeah. I think sometimes anytime you have a day job where someone's paying you to do something and they dictate what your schedule is, there's going to be something that you don't necessarily yeah, want to do. That's true. Um, in a lot of ways, I am doing a lot of stuff that I'm excited about, which is awesome. And I feel very lucky for that. Yeah. Um, I think I think about like, am I setting myself up for the trajectory of work that I want to be doing long term? Um, that keeps me up. Uh, or it keeps me up in it. God, it's such a stupid phrase. Um, where but, do you see yourself in five years, no, Meredith? No, I'm, I'm not oh, done God, answering not, the question. What's your, just, what's your biggest weakness? I'm not weakness? done answering We're the question. We're not going back to episodes one through ten where it was all interview questions. Um, so part of it is, like, am I doing work mm-hmm. that I want to be doing and that's setting me up to do this, like, long term? Um, and just, like, being aware of the tiny steps that you take that set you on that trajectory. But also is the work that I'm doing, like, contributing to society in a meaningful way. Um, and I don't know if what I'm doing right now is actually accomplishing that. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm in this moment right now where I'm like, how, how do I make meaning in my work? What does that look like? To what extent am I trying to make meaning? Like, you know, so many of us want to make impact on like a global scale when maybe it's like we're making impact on our teams. Yeah. Um, and just trying to judge like what I'm trying to accomplish in that and like to what extent am I being selfish in the work that I want to be doing? Because there's this like conflict there where you want to be doing work that excites you, but is work that excites you meaningful work? And are you like, am I being selfish and like wanting to do meaningful work? Because sometimes that looks like me just illustrating a bunch of like pictures or drawing something that doesn't like actually have an end goal, but it's Mm -hmm. fun for me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like I don't want to just be making meaningless stuff. I want to, make things that make people feel emotions that question thoughts that we have that that's kind of like streamlines on more of like the art side of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just this conflict of doing what I want to be doing, but also like making sure that it's in service of something greater than myself. Yeah. So yeah. Those are good questions to be asking <laughs> and probably a lifelong pursuit oh, for and sure. refinement. No, For you sure. just solve it and then you're done. Right? <laughs> you win. No, once in your early 20s and you are <laughs> it's, it's end game. <laughs> no, and I think that, yeah, it's something that I've yeah. realized like when I was in the past, I think I've thought like, oh, I'm going to get to this point where like I'm going to answer these questions and I'm going to be done. Um, and then recently it's been this realization of like, this is a lifelong pursuit. This is not something that I'm ever going to like be done i'm never Finish. gonna never yeah. gonna get to a point where i'm like the job that i'm doing right now a hundred percent satisfies me because the world is changing our interests change we grow we develop there's always going to be something else that's more interesting and like finding the balance between satisfaction and what i'm doing right now but also like actively looking towards the future i love it yeah self-awareness key uh that's it killing it <laughs>
Thanks, guys. We're done. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> thanks for coming. Yeah. On. Thanks for letting me keep all my scarves in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> time. Time <laughs> to go. Time <laughs> to go. All right. That was episode 184. Meredith, it was awesome to come hang out with us. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and the scarves. Let us know what you thought on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Come join us in our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. And we're working on our newest adventure product called Spectrum. That's in the Spectrum channel of our Slack team. Uh, come check out what we're working on. And we'll be keep we'll continue posting progress pics as we build more stuff. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Like it's it's like the future of our community and hopefully other people's too. Yeah. We'll see you in there. It's at spec.fm slash slack. See you next week. And then we'll go. Ryan, from let there. me introduce myself. So we always allow start. me to reintroduce myself. <laughs> My name is Meredith. Sham <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the Bombadil. <laughs> <laughs> I like to turn into a bear, and that's chill. Uh. That was maybe Shom the worst. Sham drops bombs that are also ill. <laughs> this is terrible, guys. <laughs> we should start a troop. <laughs> a, a rap troop. Yes. <laughs> a freestyle rap troop.